Hi there, esteemed audience, and welcome to another episode of the Middle Grade Ninja Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Kent, and I've got good news and I've got some bad news. Uh, the good news is I've got two new books available, uh, the first of which is Rob Worm's Bird Adventure. I wrote the first draft of Rob's story when I was 11 years old and in the fifth grade. That version is included with the new edition, complete with full illustrations by 11-year-old me. Um, I have been rethinking and rewriting that story ever since through many, many different variations. At one point, it was a template for the Banneker Bones trilogy. Uh, it has been through a lot of changes, but I'm most excited about this version that's available to you now. Uh, Rob is an adventure-seeking worm. He burrows to the surface with his bunch on a rainy spring morning just to be swooped up by a passing robin. Uh, she carries him way up into the sky, but not to worry, he wriggles free only to land on the roof of a human house. How's he going to get down? And if he does, he's surrounded by nasty yellow jackets, a sizzling hot driveway, colonies of warring ants, a giant spider. There's a whole pond full of worm-hungry koi. When you're a worm, almost everything in your average human backyard is out to eat you. So Rob's got his work cut out for him. Uh, it's an exciting, action-packed story that I also think is a little bit funny. Uh, I hope that you'll check that out. Uh, my other novel is Goodbye to Grandma, and that one is about sixth grader Haley Smith, uh, who comes of age by coming to terms with the death of her grandmother. Uh, it is my most personal story. When I was in the sixth grade, my grandmother died, and I was unable to cry at her funeral. It took me a very long time to process my grief. And since I'm publishing this book now, some would say I'm still processing it. Um, I hope that you'll check out both of those books. I hope you'll enjoy them. I hope that you'll feel compelled to write a review, help me promote them in any way that you can. That would mean the world to me. Uh, so that's the good news. Two new books available for you right now. Um, the less good news uh, is that I have, my personal circumstances have changed in such a way that I am not going to be able to continue hosting the Middle Grade Ninja podcast. Uh, it has been one of the great thrills of my life to have chatted with so many amazing guests. I can't believe the, the people I've had the, the opportunity to sit down and talk with. I have learned so much about writing, publishing, life, and I hope you've learned some things as well. Um, I hope the show has been helpful to you, esteemed audience. I, I couldn't have done it without you, and I so appreciate your support uh, through the years as we've done this. Um, I don't know if or when I'll be able to come back to the show. It's my hope that someday that I will. Um, but in the meantime, I want to offer my most sincere thank you to you and to everyone who has been a part of this show and, and just the incredible experience it's been. We're going to go up to episode 212, and then after that, there will not be any additional episodes for at least a while. But stay subscribed to the feed. Um, hopefully at some point I'll, I'll be able to come back to you, if not to host a regular podcast. I'll at least have some updates for you about some other things I may be working on. Also keep an eye on middlegradeninja.com. Uh, every week I end the show with God willing I'm alive. I'll see you next week. But today I'll just say God willing I'm alive. I hope to see you soon. I couldn't be more excited. We have the incredible good fortune. We're going to be talking with Yaro and Carrie Chidi, uh, who are with us. And we're going to talk about their new book, Superworld. Um, so welcome, uh, Carrie and, and Yaro. Hello. Hello. Thank you. We're, we're, we're uh, thrilled to be here. Thank yeah. you. Coming to you from California, the other end of the country. 
So esteemed audience knows that I never torture my guests by making them sit through me stumbling over their biography or their books. I'll get it wrong and you'll know I got it wrong and we'll just sit here and it'll be awkward. <laughs> so uh, rather than do that, uh, please give esteemed audience an overview of your background. And uh, Carrie, why don't we start with you? Okay. Um, well, I'm, well, we're both from Southern California. And I grew up uh, in San Diego County. Yara grew up in Ventura mm -hmm. County. So we're, we're Where we live right now. the lower part yeah. of California. And we met in 1992 as freshmen at California Institute of the Arts. We both grew up with this dream of being animators. And so we, once upon a time, right before our program started in school, I was sitting in a two-student cubicle in the animation department getting ready to chase my dream and this like 19 year old Luke Skywalker guy walked in <laughs> and, and I said hi I'm Carrie and he said hi I'm Yarrow I said I'm sorry what what's, what's your name and he said oh it's an herb and it took a few months for me to find out he's a flower yeah my, my parents were hippie, hippies and so I was their firstborn yep. and so they they uh gave me the, the the name of a little yellow flower so he's a flower child so, literally right? yeah <laughs> we but we uh, we got to know each other kind of immediately in our cubicle, and we just bonded mm -hmm. uh, from the get go. And we started a collaboration that has stuck around till till today. Yeah. Know? So at CalArts, we you know all all of the students make their own films every single year. They do. You, you have a freshman film and then mm -hmm. a sophomore film and so on. And so we, because we were cubicle mates, and so that's another sort of particular about this school is that the students all have their own cubicles because there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, when you're learning how to animate, to animate. and back then it was all hand-drawn. And yeah, so- we're old school. Yeah, right, right. And so there's just, you know, putting in the hours of drawing and, and at your mm -hmm. desk. And so we would, we started actually helping each other um, do our assignments together and helping each other with our student films. And so that was kind of the kind of the genesis of, you know, us, you know, just kind of working together, just our relationship right. is, is, you know, working on right. creative content together. Right. So, right. Yeah. So we went through school together. We ended up being roommates and we got out of school and got hired at the same animation studio at Turner Feature Animation. Mm -hmm. So we were like living the dream and we ended up in offices next door to each other on the same movie. Yeah. And so once again- a, This little movie, our first film was this, This, I mean, little animated films, none, none of them are, are little, but it was it was this this uh, film called Cats Don't Dance. And so probably not a lot of people know, you know, in, in your audience now, but I'm sure there, there are a few out there. There might be a and few we fans. Just, we just loved it. It was such a wonderful film. Yeah, and, uh, it was a musical based on, you know, like early Hollywood and um, Scott Bakula is the main character, and the, song and dance man. The animation style is really sort of kind of uh, almost more uh more Warner Brothers like you know, cartoon very sort of pushed and 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 uh, very fun animation and so that was our first like you know uh right our our first sort of like entry into animation which we was we, our, our professional animation so right. we just loved that and and then we um so we worked at Warner Brothers and then we had our own business for a little while a small company and we were just friends so important to know so buddies through the whole time yeah that we were friends we we're best although friends. I was a little bit more like <laughs> I had I had designs on other other things I was kind of 
infatuated. So I was, I was in hot and, pursuit for years. And long, long suffering, very patient. <laughs> but we, so we were roommates and best friends and business partners and all of that um, for 10 years. And then we finally went on one date and we're like, well, we should just get married. And so within three months we got married Yeah. and now we've been married 20 years. Yeah. So, so for a decade, you're just Mulder and Scully. Will they, won't they? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we were very confusing to all of our friends. Like, yeah, they thought we were a couple because we did everything together. We would spend holidays together, and right. so he's four years younger. It took me a while to get over that. <laughs> now I see the advantages of it, but at the time, it was it was like I'm like I can't, you know, you I can't I can't be I can't turn forty first. Like no, like that's <laughs> but I did. <laughs> Stupid math. <laughs> so okay so 10, 10, 10 years you're together by the time you you get together it makes sense because you're already collaborators in every other aspect of your life you've been roommates you've worked together on your films if you're still in touch with uh, scott scott bacula or mr bacula if you're listening the new quantum leaps pretty good they need sam get on there nice. <laughs> <laughs> um so uh with with that relationship, when you're working together, uh, well, so many so many different questions. I know eventually you're going to go and you're going to make a film with Andy Griffith. The the very well, I guess it's now called the Three Wisemen. Yes, right. Yes, yeah. So so we so since so we had our own company together. We started doing like small things, like uh, you know, kind of show openings and you know for television and and little bits of. Sometimes we would do. You know, if a, if a show had like a big effects shot, um, we would kind of take that and do that and and for like the Dilbert TV series, yeah, that kind yeah. Of thing. And so, so we did a lot of this, and we we had a little bit of success. You know, we were we we won an Emmy award for the, the Dilbert television uh, opening, and so we're like, hey, you know what? We are um, we are like kind of on a roll, and so we decided one thing to to kind of back up a little bit when we when we met i think it was probably our first conversation we were talking about things that we we you know that inspired us growing up animation and things like that and we talked about the christmas specials the old you know christmas specials the rankin bass christmas specials the charlie brown christmas special all of these all of these Grinch, things that, santa claus is coming to town yeah all these things that we grew up with and we thought you know we, we discussed you know, someday, why don't we make, and this is our first day, you know, meeting, we should make one of those you Christmas know, specials, Christmas specials one day when we're out, you know, doing, doing the, the work professionally. And so fast forward, I don't know how many years, right? Seven years. So, yeah. So we're like, okay, we're, we're you know, doing pretty well. Let's start developing our Christmas special that we talked about years ago. And so we decided to sort of turn away work and kind of dedicate which was you know in hindsight wasn't the best idea <laughs> financially right um but yeah and so we started developing um the this uh project about the first christmas called the three wise men and and um well you can yeah. carries carries the historian so she can she can well it ended up taking us seven years but yeah. um we wrote it and wrote it and wrote it and then eventually I mean we, it was starts and stops you know trying to maybe it should be a feature maybe it should be a half an hour like we just kept well, trying that, that was a really 
that was a really good learning experience for us because we were we were very confident, you know, very young and like we can do anything. And we started, you know, writing writing this as with the idea that it will would be a feature. And we ended up, you know, sort of adding a lot to the story and adding and what we had at the end was just something that was just this kind of monstrosity that was like gibberish Christmas related, but it was like at a certain point we'd like added little ninjas yeah it was it, <laughs> like, like it was just it, you know because we were just we were we well just, it, it had grown it, it's yeah. it, it originally was supposed to be a half hour special yeah that's and right. then it it oh it's too much story it should be an hour special and then it was well why not just a feature then and it took kind of all those iterations to fail and then come back to why don't we go back to what it started as? And and I said to Yaro, I've always just wished it could rhyme like the Grinch. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have writing backgrounds. We you know we come from visual backgrounds and and storytelling. But I just said I kind of want to see if I can write it as a poem. And he said, okay, like just try. And so suddenly I was just rhyming it and all those other iterations and ninjas and all that um, led to a boiling down, like a reducing of the story that turned into the poem. And then I showed the poem to Yarrow and he immediately picked up a pen and he storyboarded, he thumbnail storyboarded everything. It it was crazy. And that led to us saying, well, now we need a narrator. And if we're going to be like those old shows that we love from the 60s that we would wait to watch every single year play once on television, we need that kind of narrator. And so we're like, who would that be now? Who would be the Burl Ives? Who would be the Fred Astaire now? Mm-hmm. And we're like, Andy Griffith. Like Andy Griffith is that guy. And so we got together materials and we were like, okay, we just, it's just us, but we need to approach William Morris Agency and see if they'll show it to Andy Griffith. And they did. And next thing we know, he says, yes. And we're flying out to North Carolina to meet him in person and record at uh, his friend's home in a like converted room with a walk-in closet with quilts and stuff on the wall. We're like, nice to meet you, Andy Griffith. Like, <laughs> and he's he's just in a chair as our narrator. It was the most amazing experience. Yeah, and he's such a, he, 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 he was such a, a wonderful, like natural, like, I mean, the guy was amazingly just gifted. incredibly gifted in so many ways. He, you know, just mm-hmm. did so many things, but, you know, just as a storyteller, he yeah. was, he was, able to take Carrie's writing and just kind of like re you know sort of like put put this this personality into it that that was mm-hmm. just just wonderful and so yeah that was amazing he was, he was just oh mm-hmm. he was just wonderful to work with so so that was kind of our first uh, that was basically was an independent project that took seven years to make a 23 minute story yeah. and, and we had we had the title we had always talked about it being the three wise men. Now that's mm-hmm. that, that's the point of view that we were sort of following through the first Christmas, and um, and when we so we we ended up finishing it at Real Effects in Dallas, and their with their all of their you know their animation their 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 crew, and uh, as we were finishing it, I think it was there was another feature animated film that was coming out the in, same year in Spain in Spain called The Three Wise Men. And so we had to change the name and it became the very first Noel, which was part one of, uh, from a line that, that was in the, the beginning of the, the, 
the uh, project. And so it was, it was called the very first Noel for up until about three, three years, three or three two, years ago. three years ago, when we, they had did a sort of a re-release of, of it. We got the the and we got the name back again basically it was it was yeah. okay to sort of because we weren't really competing um head-to-head yeah. -head with anything yeah that was a very name. interesting thing to lose our title after seven years and have to start calling it something else and then it has a history of that's all anyone else calls it and then being told well do, do you want to rename it like oh, we can go back to the original name what a, what a bizarre there opportunity like, there was such clarity in it yeah. and, and you know then we we you know obviously like like the other yeah the, the other title too but but yeah. there was such sort of clear it was mm -hmm. a clear like this is what it's about everybody gets it so yeah. anyway so that's, right. that's the uh and then so basically we finished that and um yarrow actually was shortly after we finished that in 2006 we spent a year uh, trying to write a feature mm -hmm. idea. We pitched that around town, like, like a sci-fi family film animated. Uh, so we got a lot of writing and pitching experience, but we didn't sell it. And Yarrow picked up some freelance work as a production designer on what turned out to be Despicable Me. And so before we knew it, he, he just uh, said, um, so they just, you know, offered me the position on the film. The film's going to be made. And it was a secret. No one knew the film. It was Illumination's first film. Yeah, it was, and, it was the, the, the studio was very, very, you know, it was very new. We, yeah, it was the first movie. And they had, they had actually, I started doing this, this, you know, this concept work and, and anybody, you know, like you probably know that in the entertainment business, it's like a lot of the earlier stuff, it's kind of hush hush. Like you don't, you know, go and tell this is what it's all about. And here are all the, all the characters. And, and so even like with us, I, I was doing this, this artwork and, and they, they, they started to re really respond to it. And, and mm -hmm. they, you know, uh, called me in and said, Hey, you know, we want to, we want to offer you this, the, the production design job. And, by the way, it's in Paris, France, because <laughs> I had no idea they were setting setting uh, this, this the project up over in Paris, and so I came out and told Carrie. Carrie, Carrie had driven me down to to uh, to the interview, like to, the to kind the of the, the meeting. Yeah, so we could use the carpool lanes and all that. Um, and uh, so I came out and said, "Okay, they want me to be a production designer because I loved the the project. Yeah. Like it was even at the early stages, it was just such it was such a fun." um you know minions i mean minions, yeah, right. <laughs> this is this is even before they were they were a but, thing like they were part of it but the designs weren't there and, and all and all that but um and of course the voice and you know the, 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 the yeah right and so anyway so um so they but you told me where do you but yeah, that? so I said in Paris. And I said Paris, Texas. Right. And you said, oh, you said no, the other one. Well, because we, <laughs> we didn't do a lot of traveling. I had been, I had been to, I had been to Paris a couple of times for another project. I was production designer on the Curious George films, uh, film. I'm sorry, the the first Curious George film. And one of our studios was over in Paris, and so I'd been over there, and it was just wonderful. But never we didn't really travel internationally We've and, been a, a on his trips he would call me and say someday I want to bring you yeah. here and I'm like yeah that'll never happen 
and then we moved there for 10 years yeah right it was, it was like that it was all you know a couple I guess it was three months three months later but but yeah and then we were we were living there put everything in storage and and, and the funny thing was out of there were about 10 Americans that moved over for to make Despicable Me at Illumination or at McGuff in Paris yeah. an animation studio and but we were the first two to go over and knowing that I have never been anywhere and we don't speak French we arrive on a Sunday in Paris on my birthday and we're like well we should get food and so we got hot dogs at the Eiffel Tower because <laughs> we're like we don't know what to buy well I know what a hot dog is we got to that hold out our euros and, <laughs> and then he went he went to work the next morning and so he started in the studio with the with the French crew who turned out to be amazing and yeah. just the coolest friends yeah and that's the but, thing is like the studio you know you were meeting the studio like we, everything was new like all the people I had been working with in, in America it was all freelance work so I was working from my home and I would we would like mm-hmm. you know back then we were probably doing Skype or whatever um to the director in in New York and and you know uh, mostly it was mostly that and and maybe some people here but but all of a sudden there was this this whole studio that I'm walking into meeting people and yeah. and it was and they're all kissing him on the cheek. That's right. Yeah, doing all the the bees. Um, um, so it was this amazing experience of like meeting all of these new people that I would I didn't know, but you know, because we we went over there thinking, okay, it's going to be a, about a year, year and a half, and then the, the film's going to be done, and we'll we'll come back to America. We tend we end up um, spending ten years over there, and mm-hmm. so. So despicable me became you know everything started to go well and. And we did the Lorax right after that. So I just moved right up onto that. We, we, it was very busy because we were, we were, I was basically overlapping films. Like halfway through Despicable Me, we started Lorax. And so I was, I was production designing Lorax at the same time, getting that ramped up while we were finishing Despicable Me. And then from that to Despicable Me 2. And, and then from that, I started, I started moving into directing. And so I, I uh, co-directed The Secret Life of Pets. But that was finishing, or that was starting over Despicable Me too, and <laughs> and so it was very, but it was very like you know, um, it was challenging, but it was also really cool to just constantly have this this you know sort of constant stream of like um, creativity that you you had to kind of produce and kind of go from film to film, which was that's the that was a really big challenge. So like take your you know Despicable Me brain out and put your you know your Grinch one your in Grinch one in yeah or or Secret Life of Pets you know d- depending on what meeting you're in right and so during the day and so well so part of the um so we you did five films while we were yeah. over there and in that time I was basically the equivalent of Lucille Ball in the Europe episodes of yeah. I Love Lucy where you know basically like the stomping the grapes and any any you know I was I was like the confused American in Paris um, a lot of comedy, but uh, he worked on a couple Dr. Seuss projects yeah. over there, the Lorax so and the Lorax Grinch. And, yeah, and the, and the Grinch. So the last the last film that I, I did over there was was the Grinch, and that came out in 2018. And, and you would come home and say, basically, working on adapting this amazing source material to film, because he'd also done Curious George. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and actually, it's funny because we're just to use to prop up the computer. <laughs> this is the this is the curious George book that I had. So 
one of the things that that this wasn't planned i wasn't i didn't plant this under here to say like oh it's a, it's a problem and anyway this is this was the actual curious george book that i that i use and you can see all the like notes and things like that i have all throughout the book and i guess like what what gary is saying is that that in doing these films that other other authors have have you know that it, it's their baby what you do what i've always done is really tried to get into their heads right and so i've kind of studied their material and and especially like with you know with marguerite nature ray's curious george but but then two dr seuss films like the first one i did I, I was the production designer. And so of course you get in trying to get into Dr. Seuss's head and and he his design style, which is just so unique and just mm -hmm. kind of unique is is doesn't even start to like his design style is so interesting and beautiful and complex but simple and like all of these things that 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 you you've never like nothing else is like it. And so trying to get your your head and your you know sort of your creativity kind of to be in line with that visually is it's it's a lot of work but it's really really challenging and then on Grinch I was I was doing a lot of design work but I was also I was directing it also and so then you're getting into like what is the story that he's trying to tell and then of course you know when you're designing a film it's the same kind of thing you're trying to get into this this the kind of state of mind of like okay what how do we communicate the story to the audience but but directing is is it's like that on every single front and so mm -hmm. so that was um it was this after all of these films adapting other people's material and really caring a lot about yeah really investing in yeah so what, honoring you, the what you want what you want when you're doing a film like this is for it's like if if the person who if the author were able to sort of walk in the room or or see it projected you want them to think like wow that that's something that you know you you hope to to make them happy with your work right you hope to kind of honor them and make them and of course you have no idea they whether they they would actually like it of course but but what you what your goal is is to make them um think wow that's a because of course we're going to change it add things to it because it's a new it's a new medium it's a new like there's that you can't you can't do the identical you can't do you can't just film book pages right you have to sort of have a dimensional expression and have actors and have you know sort of you know time passing or watching characters music music all of these different art forms that are coming into to making uh, making an expression of a book, right? And so I think all of this is to say, the all of the years that I've done this, um, it really kind of put this desire on on my heart and Carrie's heart because we I'd come home and talk to her about it and we'd kind of you know brainstorm together on ideas and stuff like that all the time. Put this desire in our hearts to tell our own stories and. And of course, we did very first Noel, and we'd written, you know, some scripts and kind of mm -hmm. developed some projects together. But um, even like very first Noel was was you know the, the stories from the Bible, and so so it was it was adapting. Something. It was adapting. It was telling. It was telling somebody else's story. Right? <laughs> and so um, so we we really you know 
we ended up thinking like, hey, let's try try our own, you know, mm -hmm. story. And so during that time in Paris, and actually backing up, we had the idea for Superworld. Um, right before moving to right Paris. Right before moving to Paris. We had, like Carrie said, we'd done this, this sci-fi sci project, and we really enjoyed that. We really enjoyed writing a whole, you know, film together. And so we thought like, okay, let's, what's the next thing? And, and I had this idea um, one day about. You said it was actually a visual. Yeah, it was this, it was this visual of, of, that just kind of came to my, you know, into my mind's eye of a character that was just kind of this normal guy, this kind of, you know, nothing special, just kind of every day. And I kind of saw him as like maybe early 20s, um, this guy who was being held in the arms of some big, huge, you know, Superman kind of superhero. Sort of with, cradled. Yeah, like, like a little baby. <laughs> like he'd just been saved from something. And then having just a sea of millions of superheroes all around him, looking at him like they wish they were the ones that just saved him right and the 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 title superworld and so there was this visual concept of of one guy who's the only person in the entire world who's not a superhero and everyone else in in the in the whole world has superpowers not only has superpowers but they want to it's it's like if if we if if in our world all of a sudden overnight we had superpowers, a lot of us would put on costumes, but most of us wouldn't, right? It would be like, oh, I can, it's more like magic, you know, I can I can fly now. I wouldn't necessarily fly in 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 lycra and spandex or whatever. But but in this case, the 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 idea is that not only do, does everybody have superpowers, um, but they actively want to be superheroes with those superpowers and they so, want to play so that so basically it's like the, the the idea is this one this one uh normal everyday guy in a world full of superheroes that that um that are always waiting for an opportunity to you know change their into their super suits and either save him or their you know super battles are happening all the time they're breaking out everywhere uh, but what's it like being this guy who's the only one who can be saved in the world and the only one who can who can break in the world? Because, you know, watching superhero movies and and, you know, even even, you know, historically, it's like comic books. Superheroes don't tend to break very easily. Right. You can throw them through buildings. You can stomp on them, you, you know, mm -hmm. with, with giant robots and they kind of usually have a little scratch or something like that. But but they they always bounce back. And so, but this guy is like us, like mm -hmm. you, you, he trips on the sidewalk, he can break his arm, right? Mm -hmm. Like he can, he can, um, he can get burned or crushed or whatever, and he can die in a world where nobody can die. And so that was kind of the initial spark. And we started. Well, and you even had the slogan, cause he walked into the room <laughs> and just pitched the idea. He's like, what if there was one guy in the whole world who didn't have superpowers, super world. And I said, what? Where did, where did that come from? And then he said, you know, I pictured this image and the tag. I'm so sick of superheroes. <laughs> and that to us was like, wait, there's something in that. Yeah. And, and this is pre-Avengers. So this is, we thought, you know, isn't everybody getting kind of sick of superheroes, even though we love them and we go to every Spider-Man movie, every Superman movie. But we thought, 
is, is oversaturated, yeah, right? Is, yeah. And people are going to get sick of it. And then right after, like two months later, Iron Man came out <laughs> and it's like the birth of every new, you yeah. know, yeah, 20, so we 20, had, 20 new movies. Right. So back then we were thinking, oh, we better, you know, if we're going to develop this, we better jump on it because people will get sick, of it. sick of it. And, and it'll be, Westerns will be the big thing for the next, right. you know, five years. But it, but it turned out that it was just at the beginning. And, and of course now it's, superhero movies and stories are just so kind of it's such an entrenched part of our mm -hmm. experience storytelling experience mm -hmm. and story watching or, or reading experience yeah that right. yeah so so it, it only sort of became more and more appropriate like this the story became just more appropriate to our experience in the world because right. one of the things that we kind of play with is this idea that like you know is that that the fatigue right that the oh my gosh it's another it's another Marvel movie. I can't, I can't keep up with them. You know, in, in our case, like Noah, this is our main character, Noah. Um, he's, he's our, so fast forward, we, he, he's, this is the book form of, of, mm -hmm. of our I, I, idea, but, but he's the only person in a world that is a, it's an absurd world, but he, it's also a really cool world. Like everybody is super, there's, there is, really cool stuff happening all over the place but it's kind of overwhelming and so so that's kind of what we're playing with as lovers of the genre but also it's so it it can be like so much that mm -hmm. that you know we're sort of dramatizing that and in, 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 in that he just kind of longs for um the old world so yeah. noah just sometimes wishes his friends would just be normal again and they could just do like you know just watch et like you know just just hang out just play D, &D just or something a, like yeah, that like kid. not not always be super and he because he's all of his friends are super too right and so so when he, he gets together with his friends they don't want to just hang out and you know play video games they want to save them yeah so like the the title of the book is is uh super world save noah and what that kind of that that term in uh, the first time you hear that term is in the very beginning where his friends get together and they play this game called Save Noah, where basically they put him through this battery of, of life-threatening situations so that they can save him as, as their superhero, you know, alter egos. And so, um, so it's this, this thing where like he, he is willing because he's, his, he likes hanging out with his friends. He likes them that they're, they're, they're a great little set, but but he'll do that. He'll let them, you know, save him over and over and over again, um, as long as they can go and watch a non-superhero movie and, and just have eat pizza. popcorn and pizza yeah. and whatever it yeah. is, um, and do the things that he used to do before the world, you know, went super. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah. So that was so. To back up, we were we developed it as a as a uh, we were starting to develop it as a feature film, and then. The illumination happened and we moved to, to Paris and and over that the next 10 years we'd we'd kind of put it on the shelf but we'd take it down and and develop it and sometimes we would you know you know get I'd get up in the early before going to work and we'd sit there and and mm -hmm. you know develop it um you know just try to mm -hmm. try to explore the story and all of that um but we over the years, we never really kind of had the best expression of it. And we kind of knew it. We thought like, oh, this is such a fun idea. We want it to be right. And 
Um, it wasn't until after we moved back home uh, to, to the States in 2018 um, that we started thinking of it. We were talking to our agents and, and um, about doing, we were thinking, hey, you know, let's do a, a, a book. And we were thinking maybe doing a picture book and, and, um, and we weren't thinking about Superworld at all. Mm -hmm. we, we were talking to them and we pitched a, a, a picture book and it was kind of this fun little educational kind of a thing that I guess that, that our agent, our literary agent um, in New York, he, he, uh, he had this, he's like, hey, let's get, get on the call. And he's like, basically, this isn't really, there isn't really anything any market for what you guys <laughs> what we're what, what <laughs> the idea we're pitching yeah and and so he's like he basically said like do you guys have any other stories and he he, he started he kind of walked us through the the book you know because we were we don't know the book industry at all yeah right <laughs> so, so we, were, we were kind of we had this idea just completely non you know as as non-participants in you know we we're thinking you know we'll take our movie you know, our, our movie minds and kind of apply it to books. And it's a very different, a, a different space. Right. And so, so anyway, he, he asked, do you have any other, you know, projects that can be, and he explained, okay, picture books are kind of like this and, and middle grade. And, and initially we were, we were thinking like middle grade books, that's like a real book, meaning, yeah, we, meaning we, like, that is words. That is words. Yeah. We can't and, do that. You know, but then we started thinking like, you know what, we have a super world. Yeah. And we, we, it's something that really we love and, and it's, it's something that, that I guess when we started thinking about how it would apply to a middle grade novel, it started firing off all of these ideas because what better expression, what, what better time in life um, can you can you sort of uh, have a character that that feels the most unsuper, right? That feels like the whole world has all of this these powers. But everyone's special to me. Yeah, everyone's special to me. That and everyone else has control but me. Yeah, and so you know, we're, then we start thinking of you know, I think of me in seventh grade, which is probably you know, if I had to rate all of my you know years, I think that was probably the worst time I had in school, and mm -hmm. and it just felt like it it started clicking for us that our main character our protagonist he should be he should be a middle grade kid and not not 25 he should be 12 yeah, yeah. right yeah exactly and and because he's he's in a in this unique position in life where it's like he's not a kid anymore right and so he wants to start start living his own life but he's also everyone else still has control over him his his parents his teachers every you know, he's, he, he can't drive, he can't vote, he can't, you know, whatever it is, he can't, he can't do all the adult things yet. But, you know, at that age, you are starting to, you're, you're not just happy, happy having playdates anymore and, mm -hmm. and playing with your toys, you start wanting to explore the world and, but you're not there yet, right? And so, so it really kind of felt like the perfect fit, fit for, for our our protagonist yeah, to, it, to make him a, a, a um, yeah maybe more sense yeah. and because all of a sudden we're like well so he his grandmother is super his little sister is super it, it you know it just changed the idea you have to go to you have to go to middle grade 
with that situation, mm-hmm. like middle school, that's the worst. Like you've already got clicks and bullies and you don't dress right and you're not cool. But what if, what if even your teachers are superheroes and yeah, I don't know. So yeah, it, it caught fire and we, wrote, we put together a pitch and we sent it to our agent and he's just like, what, 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 where did this come from? <laughs> and he said, you know, he said, what happens next? And we said, we don't know. <laughs> so he said, well, get busy. Mm-hmm. And that, that sort of three years later, we got busy. Yeah. So um, why uh, is a middle grade book the perfect medium for this as opposed to a graphic novel or a film? And how does that change your approach to the story? I think the uh, one of the things that that was really nice about about telling a story in in you know a a novel form is is that we got to we got to kind of you know it's a very fast paced uh, story but you get to slow down a little bit you know compared to film where you have to every single frame has to visually move the story forward in a way that that um you know you you really feel whether whether it's a slow or fast sequence or scene you're in real time right and you're you're um you're watching you're sort of experiencing this the story watching people rather than getting in somebody's head and and we we i think we um really appreciate the the opportunity to sort of get into Noah's head he's telling us the story and and to um I, I mean I I don't know it's like, yeah and I think graph I think we didn't want to go graphic novel with it I think just because it's sort of I guess wanted we wanted it to land somewhere halfway between almost a graphic novel and a film and so it it needed the prose, yeah, I guess, and and visually um, as a production designer, I think we just wanted to explore the spreads in a different way, so that they're kind of cinematic. Like there can be just um, we didn't want the dialogue bubbles and the words quite the same way. I think I think just for us visually, yeah, yeah, I think I mean because we yeah the 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 <clears throat> excuse me the the book is very he- heavily illustrated, so like almost almost every single page or spread has has artwork so you can kind of see um everything is you know in there is a sort of graphic novel sense to it in that there's it's just packed with packed with artwork but we really wanted to tell a very um full and deep and longer story not to say that you can't do that with a graphic novel but but we really just fell in love with this, the way that, that, you know, you can tell a story uh, as a book and really kind of get into the world building aspect and get into his psychological state and his emotional state in a way that's, that's much more difficult to, to um, kind of pack because we have, you know, the, the world is, is a huge kind of deep, you know, world with, with, you know, we have lots of characters and we have lots of um, kind of aspects to this, to the, to the world that we're able to write about and, and support with images that, that we would only be able to kind of glance, you know, sort of like very briefly touch on in a, in a film. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I think, I think it, it just, it's, it's a good question because I don't, no. Well, the, the style of the style of how this turned out evolved as mm-hmm. we 
developed it. So um, it, it, with our editor, she would say, you know, we're sort of finding this as we go mm -hmm. because of the style of the visuals, because we didn't go graphic novel, but we wanted boxes for our text. And we wanted we wanted Yarrow to be able to do some spreads that were, you know, just a close-up of eyes. And we wanted some where he did multi-panels and put just like a jillion little drawings, which feel very graphic novel. Yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't one thing. It was kind of you turn the page and then it's just black. It's nothing. So it it sort of um, was an organic process yeah. of what but also, it turned into. <laughs> we've never done this before, right? So right. It, it's this is our first book. And so kind of coming at it from the from the filmmaker's perspective, you know, it because what we really wanted to do is make something that that was immersive. It makes something that yeah, growing up, I wasn't a reader, Carrie wasn't mm -hmm. a reader. We, you know, begrudgingly begrudgingly read and our books and did book reports, but but we were so visual. And I think we we wanted to make something that we would have really kind of wanted to read as a as a kid. And so um so that's that's yeah that the lot is behind it actually it was we kept thinking instead of like you're saying picking kind of exactly like what we were aiming for mm -hmm. it was sort of what if if we were walking in a bookstore what would we have picked up and thought mm -hmm. well I could read that you know I'm not I'm not my brother would always sit in a chair and read the dragon riders of Pern or something like that he was always <laughs> reading and I was always I want to go outside I want to go outside and play or I want to draw um I want to draw but if I picked up this and same with Yarrow, we thought, I think in the bookstore following my mom around, I would have said, well, mom, can I have this one? Cause it has visuals kind of everywhere. Yeah. And it would have given me a little bit of confidence that maybe I'm a reader too. Yeah. It's almost you know? like you want to, you know, you want to give them that the thing that makes them want to look at the page and then they can mm -hmm. get the benefit of reading the story. And right. I think, you know, yeah, I, I think I would have been tricked into reading a book. <laughs> right, we're trying to trick them. We're trying to trick them into reading. <laughs> so it's, it's such a beautiful book, but I also love that it's it's a big book. And so you sit down, somebody sees you holding such a big book, like, wow, look at how much reading they're doing. Right. Yeah, there's right, such right. so so many beautiful visuals. You can read it fast, and you'll be thinking, look at what a fast reader I am. I'm amazing at this. That's yeah. the goal. That, that's High a, five, Rob. High yeah, five. we that's exactly <laughs> what we talked about. Like it, it's it does give you this sense of accomplishment because because there is there is story that you're reading but you're also sort of like you know taking in the visuals one of the things that we really wanted to do is make it feel like you're you like you're sort of in a movie in the sense that you you feel like oh you know whatever the illustration is you feel like you're able to sort of like fill in like I don't have an example but like you can fill in the stuff around it. It's like here's, I mean, here's some, here are some examples of of some uh, some panel uh, a panel page where you kind of feel like okay, there's action going on beyond my periphery, and 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 you kind of feel like you're sort of right there in the action, and and but but the story that you're that you're being told is is you're reading it, and so so it's it was this. You know what we really wanted to do is make it make it a, a book experience, a reading experience that you could you could almost you know have this that you were you felt like you were in in the story right. from a right. sort of sensory 
uh, point of view. Right. Um, so I don't know if that makes any sense, but you know what's interesting is that um, when when we're like getting friends or family writing to us saying, you know, hey, I gave it to somebody for Christmas, or I just bought this for my niece or my nephew or my my twelve year old just read this, they keep telling us again. It took us years. They're like, they sat down and read it cover to cover, and we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then like where's the next one we're like um, we're, we're working on it it's like you know how long it took to make that thing but so it's a funny reaction because at first you think no don't read it like that like slow down slow down but then we think wait that's really cool yeah. to be told that a kid like spend their whole day just... or, or whatever it took them maybe they're a lot faster than us yeah um but <laughs> that they that they read it in one sitting yeah. is is really neat to hear because it means it's accessible and yeah. it means it means um, a reluctant reader, you know, it can can get into it, mm -hmm. and because um, that's even some of the stories. As my kid who doesn't read, yeah, like read it cover to cover, and we're just like, well, right that's, on, because like, amazing. like you right. said just a few minutes ago, we want to empower those kids so that they they're proud of the 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 thing that's a little bit thick on their desk. Mm -hmm, right. They're like, I vanquish that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's also it's so art centric that after they've sat down and they they did the you know a thousand miles per hour read like uh, like Johnny Five and Short Circuit they they get through it immediately but then they can go back and they can savor the artwork they can enjoy it slowly and because they know the story they could take their time and and maybe better appreciate it. Well, yeah, and that's and that's hope the so. hope because we do you know it's we do kind of we try to pack it with a lot of a lot of stuff that will be more apparent on repeat reading yeah. and and viewing it's one of the things that that like we did at illumination with the with our films there where we would we really spent a lot of time putting things in the background so like you know you can always yeah, totally. find little stories that are happening in the background you're watching the film but we know we knew that a lot of people would watch our films multiple times and to put little you know, you can actually track a little, you know, minion story happening in the background sometimes, or, you know, things right. that are, so you wouldn't notice unless you're like really looking yeah, in the right corner. Right. And and it really gives a depth to, to the films that people really enjoy. And so we kind of do, you know, we tried to sort of do the same thing with, with the book. So out of, cause Yarrow, you know, illustrated this thing for months and months, but um, there's so many images, but this is a multi-panel one that is one of my favorites this one took months and months this took forever <laughs> but yeah out of the whole so like on this one it's like the the kids have been successful as a, a super team and just this one little image right there is a book and one of the characters has his own memoir and it's supposed to look like steve jobs like the steve jobs book <laughs> and it says my humongous memoir and i think I don't know if anyone's going to spot that but that's one of my favorite things in the entire book <laughs> and then the other one is joy is in the window in this picture just that little head is out of the whole book i always tell you i think this might be my favorite thing in the whole book <laughs> so hopefully like you said hopefully they people will look at it again yeah that's, that's yeah. the dream 
But of course, when you're working on a film, I, I assume you've got, you know, you've, you've got the upside that you can play the exact music that you want the hot audience to hear while it's happening. You've got Andy Griffith narrating. You've got Bernadette Cumberbatch, Benedict Cumberbatch however you, Mr. Cumberbatch, yes. work. I don't know how to say your name, but you've got him doing an incredible performance. Um, but when it's, uh, you've got an entire team behind you, but when it's uh, just the two of you and an editor, I mean, how many people go into this book and how does that change your approach for how you collaborate together? Just, yeah. just, just Michelle, just yeah. Michelle Nagler, our editor, the three of us. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's been a so different. It's been a really amazing experience because, like you said, on a film, you're working with hundreds of other people, uh, other artists, and that's the beautiful thing about working on films, but also the a very difficult part. You know, you're trying to sort of steer the ship that has all of these different creative, you know every artist, like, you know, you have your own vision, right? If you work on a film, you're going to want to, you see it in, in a very unique way, right? You, you see it or, you know, any, any creative endeavor you, and that's, and that's the strength, right? Of being an artist. It's like artists are, they're visionaries. They, they, they see the world in, in, in a, in a certain way, or they see a project, a world that they're creating in a certain way. And as a viewer or, or a reader or, a listener, what you're what you're looking for in consuming other people's art, you want to see what they have to say about something. You want to see their vision. That's the fun of of being, you an know, audience. being an audience is to see someone else's vision. Oh, I never thought of that that way. I, I, I'm feeling something that that they want me to feel that that I hadn't sort of you know uh, felt before, and so so. Um, where were they going? Well, so basically, the, well, the, the pros and cons oh, of you, if you bring together, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. if you bring together a team, everybody brings their art into it, yeah. which can really elevate the project, right? Mm -hmm. Like the music or the actors or the editor or sound effects or yeah, anything. Like all of these, all of the, these elements come together to make right. something really rich. But on the other hand, it's, right. it's it can be, be very difficult because when you're making a film, you don't want the audience to come in, sit in the theater and feel like they're seeing 300 different movies all jammed into one. And so you sort of have to, you have to sort of corral all these ideas and try to get the, the best and most sort of um, uh, cohesive version of all of this artwork to put forward. And what to that, put forward one vision. And what that means usually is a lot of cutting stuff out, right? It's like when you're doing these films, you have lots of ideas and you try to put it in and and, you know, through time constraints or, or through just, you know, uh, different pressures from different places and just the, the massive am amount of uh, input you're getting, you have to whittle away. And what you come up with at mm -hmm. the end is sort of this, this, um, this comp like composition of, of what you hope is the best of the best and the most co cohesive mm -hmm. and emotional and, and the things that will hit with the audience. Um, it's very tricky. With this, on the other hand, it's just us, right? And so it's us sitting, taking walks, you know, yeah. driving around, coming up with ideas. And it's it's similar in that we come up with lots and lots of ideas, and then we have to start whittling those down. But but we're the only cooks in the kitchen. But we're the only cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And of course, like that's the that's that's an amazing, amazing yeah. thing where where you don't have to. You don't have to work, worry about, you know, uh, notes from 
you know, the studio or, or producers or, you know, all of these, or, you know, hey, the animators have this idea and we know that it, it's awesome and, and funny, but it doesn't totally fit. And how do I tell them that, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the cooks in the kitchen thing where it's like, you're trying to not make something that's more watered down because of all the input you want to, you want to end up with something that's elevated because of all of this input. Right. Um, but when it's just us, we can spend all day long just kind of coming up with, mm-hmm. coming up with the ideas and discussing it. And, and, um, and so I think that's the biggest, the, the biggest. We've really loved it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. been a very um, fulfilling experience these last couple of years, getting to do something. And, and our Christmas project was the same and that yeah. we, we just developed that by ourselves for mm-hmm. so long that, that, that is and we sort that, of fell in love with purely, yeah. purely our the story we wanted to tell, mm-hmm. the words we wanted to use, like all of that, and that that was such a cool experience. And this is this is like the second time we've gotten to do that, um, and we're kind of addicted now. We're hooked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we can look forward to uh, Destructive World and, and other yes. books. Yes. Yeah. Sure do we can. have an update on when we can look forward to Destructive World? Well, we're, we're working on it right now. We just we just sent uh, the first um, draft. So. One of the one of the I think kind of interesting things about this book what is that that it started out as a much longer book, right? And so we we were, I guess when when we finally did with illustrations, with rough illustrations, we sent it to Michelle in its sort of like, okay, here's our first um, you know, our our first like version of the of, of the, the whole book, thing. Of the whole thing together. How many pages was it? Five hundred and seventy something. Right. So it, it, she's it like <laughs> right. she's like, we can't, there's not enough paper. Well, and it's but so yeah, it was massive. And and so she said, hey, she was looking at it and and said, what about, and Carrie and I had talked about splitting it into two books. Because it was so long. We're like, this is two books. (laughs) And we always, we always sort of, there's, there was in that original version, there was sort of a midpoint that we thought, okay, well, if we split it, it would sort of have to be there. But what that meant was that the first book wouldn't really have an ending. It wouldn't have a story. It was going to be very unsatisfying. And so she came back to us and said, hey, how about, I was thinking about maybe making, making this two books. Um, and independently, she thought that because of mm-hmm. the length and because of, but then she said, what if, what if we split it right here? It more like two thirds. And it hadn't occurred to us that, that that's, that's where we could have split it. We just thought like, oh, you just cut it in half, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what that gave us was this really great ending and something that set up the next story. Right. And not only that, but it gave us all the stuff that we had for basically the act three of, of the original book that we really, everybody kind of felt like we were rushing through it because, because the world that, that we're talking about is there's so much fun stuff to be had and to be seen and to be experienced in that world that mm-hmm. now breaking that off into its own book, we can actually explore, give it its, its, you know, it's due, give it, give it what, what, mm-hmm. um, you know, have, have all the fun that we can with it. And so, right. right. So, so we knew where the story was going yeah. because the book two is what we thought was <laughs> going to be book one. So um, we're just getting to go into it more. Yeah. And um, so 
we are on, we're getting close to finishing the first draft of the manuscript um and we'll just see how that goes with michelle yeah and, and then and then yara will draw 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 yeah <laughs> it'll, it'll probably i mean it's probably going to take because i haven't really done very much. i've done some concept artwork and and a lot of work from the first version of the of the story but but it's going to be probably five or six months of drawing. you know drawing and and uh you know to just to get this ready when it's a collaborative effort like that and you're you're doing the artwork is carry over your shoulder going no draw it more like this no change that right. or... <laughs> i'm more like keep going what can i get you do you want do you want some coffee like, you know and then i'm like i won't be back you know yeah and it's so fun because i just i kind of get out of the way but then i get to be the first audience and so it's it's really cool because we've collaborated for so long i'm a trustworthy audience um and i I usually just love whatever he does. I'm his biggest fan. I've always been, but I also am able to say, you know, I don't totally get that one, um, you know, and we're able to talk about it and then he'll adjust the artwork, but it's, it's really fun because I think I know what the project is, but I don't until he has done the visuals. Well, yeah, you know, because like it's, it's an interesting thing because we talk about everything and we you know, I'll do some like little sketches about, hey, what about this kind of a thing for this character yeah. or, you know, a really rough version of a, of a set piece or something like that. But for the most part, we do all of the writing ahead of time. And so, mm -hmm. you know, before before right. I started doing artwork. And so we both start visualizing it in, in our heads. <laughs> but he's right and I'm wrong. But <laughs> and <laughs> but the, the fun thing is to to like I know okay Carrie has an expectation of what something is going to look like or or a visual sort of expression of of right. whatever like, it is a character or a or a set or or some sort of an action sequence or whatever. But because I know that she already has an expectation, my my job is to surprise her and to give her something a little bit you know hopefully more more than yeah. what she's expecting and so that's always the goal and what that does is it is it kind of keeps the pressure on me to to kind of keep digging if if something isn't all the way you know where if, if it's yeah. sort of good enough it's not good enough because of what I want he wants to surprise I want a reaction out of Carrie and that yeah. and that goes for the for the writing as well it's like when we hand work back and forth between yeah. each other we're looking for that reaction that that's yeah. it's beyond what they they were expecting so mm -hmm. of course we know the story when I give something to Carrie she knows we've already she's already done work on it we've discussed it you know talked it through you know outlined it but what I'm trying to do is give her a little bit more and so that's that's kind of I think one of the fun things about working together is that you have yeah. this sort of built-in right built-in um audience that that you are trying to trying to give an experience to and so yeah right well of course when you i assume when you when you work on a on a, on a big film like the grinch um you're gonna have a moment where there's a premiere and you can go and you can sit in the back and you can watch the audience watch the movie and oh they're laughing at the right spots and and you you smart people making christmas shows you get to see that again every year whereas yeah. with, a, with a book you can't both of you just sit there and stare at the person reading the book and make sure they're laughing at the right spot so how yeah. do you have uh, a comparable experience where you know you've reached your your audience and you know you, you you hit the mark well so interesting okay so 
it is, I guess our, our process is that we brainstorm together, we outline together, and then through trial and error, we've determined it's best if I take the first pass at the chapters, um, just because it suits my mind and, and my skill set. And so it's like, well, okay, I'm going to take all this stuff we have, and I'm going to, what we call, um, put up the two by fours. And so I like try to make it make sense with everything we talked about. And I build the chapter and, you know, it'll be like, he enters the room. I'm like, well, what does that mean? And so I like, have to think, how does Noah get into the room? I don't know. So I write my pass and I like try my hardest, but I know this is not going to exist. The next time I get this back from Yarrow, everything I've written will be gone. <laughs> but it's, but I, I, I put the two by fours together and I say, okay, chapter one is ready for you. I'm moving on to chapter two. And he takes chapter one and he starts doing his Yarrow thing to it. And he's like an idea factory. I am not like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a gift. He's been that way since I've ever known him. I'm like, you are just an idea factory. Where do these things, that's where super world came from the right, idea right. factory. But, you know, I don't walk in the room and say, what if there's one guy in the world who has superpowers? <laughs> he says that. But when he tells me days later, okay, I have a chapter for you. It's that he actually walks, he'll, he'll like walk into the room with the chapter and he sits down and watches me read it. Mm -hmm. So I don't watch him read my two by fours because it would be very painful <laughs> because he would be just like, cool. It's a progressive process. It's not so, entertaining. Yeah, yeah. It's not entertaining. So it's like, you're looking at my wood slats, who cares? But by the time he takes that, that a he can look at that and then the ideas fire off. And he's like, you know how we should tell that? You know what we should do? And he responds to mm -hmm. it and invents all this new stuff that I have no idea about. And so then when he brings the laptop in and says, okay, chapter one, I sit down and it's usually kind of just around dinner time or something like that. We're usually trying to like, okay, get the last bits in before the before end of dinner. the day so that, that I can. Right. Even yeah. if it's taken four days, it's like somehow before dinner. <laughs> but he watches my reaction and I read it out loud mm -hmm. and I'm, it's cold. I have no idea what it's about to say. And my reaction is the test audience. Yeah. And I don't really tell her very much, you know, on purpose mm -hmm. leading up to that because I want that honest, you know, right. like if, if it's a little, if there's a laugh or some, something emotional, I can tell she's, she, she can't, she's not, she doesn't have a poker face. I so, don't have a poker so face. Any, very anything, <laughs> so anything that she's experiencing, I can see on her face. And so, but that's what we want is to get that honest reaction. It's exactly what you're talking about. And also, like you said, it's, you know, from the movie business, we, we, it's, it's not even that we go to the premiere. We actually have test screenings before, before the months before yeah, where we're finishing up the movie, but it's not done yet. And we play it in front of audiences that watch it. And we can actually sit, we sit in the back of the room and we see what they're responding to and what they're not. And so, and they take notes and there's, because on, on films, it, it, you're working on it for years and, things that were fresh and funny or interesting or emotional, you know, two and a half years ago, at this point, you're just like, I don't think this is working. This isn't funny anymore. This isn't emotional. They're just, they're just sick of it. Yeah. And we're just kind of like, nothing, this whole movie's, none, none, nothing works. Nothing's funny. <laughs> it's because we, you know, it's like, imagine telling yourself, you know, telling your, yourself the same joke, you know, if you're writing the same joke every single day for, and 
you know, in animation, you're working, you're you're seeing the same scene, you know, probably you've you see you've seen every single shot a hundred times at least because because you're seeing it in, you know, on the on the page, you're seeing it storyboarded, you're seeing it, you know, cut into reels more than a hundred times. You're always working on it, it goes through layout, it goes through animation, it goes through, you know, Special your effects. your yeah, effects, you're looking at lighting compositing and that's not even you know like recording the actors and all that kind of stuff so you're seeing the same thing over and over and over and over again so you have no objectivity at the end and so you sit at the back of the room and all of a sudden people are laughing at things that you forgot were funny again you know or they're not laughing or they're not laughing you're like we thought that was going to kill and it was just a dead room and so then you have to go back and be like okay we got to lose that so they so they actually in the animation they adjust the yeah. films um before they're released before they get to the premiere based on the test screenings and they they survey the audience like what's your favorite character have, what's your least favorite character right and then they, there's a person at the that actually facilitates a conversation you just hear after people, the screen you just hear people talking about the, the film and and it's really interesting to to have somebody else's sort of cold you know they've they've never seen any of these these characters before they don't know the story and to have them talk about your you know your film um for from a fresh perspective is really really interesting like imagine so, you could do that with your books you know yeah. if you if you i mean it's scary right it's, it's very scary. <laughs> could you be really vulnerable but like what sweating. if what if you could do that and and then have like five more months to adjust and rewrite if you could like put you know 600 people in a room and then hear someone else questioning them about your book <laughs> it would be like it's crazy yeah so but we don't have that so we just have me but yeah but, but it is <laughs> but it is, the, it is the kind of the a, a process that we kind of simulate a little bit because at the same right. time you don't want too much input right so like you don't want to be like okay like if if we, you have a test screening or if you did have you know hundreds of people read your book and you got all of those notes back from all those people and you tried to address all of them, their notes, thinking like, if I do everything that they said, it's going to make it better. It's not going to make it better. Like right. it's going to make it washed, you know, yeah. it's going to be watered down. And this sort of, it gets back to that point of trying to sort of direct the ship toward, you know, one goal, making it one vision. Um, the audience doesn't necessarily always know what they want and and it's not their job to know what they're they want it's it's their job to experience something and hopefully you're going to touch a lot of them with your with your art um but at the same time you don't what they're again what they're sort of paying the the price of admission or the price of the book what they're paying for is is to give to, is to get something that they've never experienced before it's it's like that's what you're giving them is something new, right? And so, um, so you can't do that necessarily if you're taking a, a thousand ideas from you know yeah, from a, other yeah, people right. and trying trying to corral them because then you'll you'll get you know you'll get something that is a little bit more you know you know just not news sort of more mm -hmm. kind of uh, what what everybody what we, what we've seen before mm -hmm. and so I think that's that's kind of one of the nice things about just having us to bounce things back and forth between mm -hmm. because I trust Carrie she trusts me right and we, we trust Michelle like and we trust Michelle, like our right? editor has um the same sense of humor I mm -hmm. guess and so you know we if if she 
is like laugh out loud. We're like, yes, like Michelle <laughs> thought it was funny. Yeah, you know? she's she's definitely because you know with, between us, we you know obviously we know everything about our story because we talk about it every single day. But, so but yeah, she is the kind of the first person that that uh, that yeah. is reading it cold, and so so that's that's incredibly valuable. Yeah. Also, so an audience of one to two. Yeah. <laughs> but but I think you know the strength of that is okay. The the downside is that you don't get to see every single you know thing how uh, a group of people react to it. But the upside is that I think I think at the end of the day it keeps it retains the freshness of of the story of the ideas of the expression without um without necessarily uh compromising the accessibility sort of get a good balance um mm -hmm. between between the two i think so i think that's what that's what we've sort of appreciated about this process rather than sort of the the massive right. you know more the the massive machine that that goes into to film to film yeah I think that solves it. Leave Hollywood focus exclusively on books from here on. <laughs> yeah, we we are digging. I tell you what, we we really have been. We really yeah. like like the. I don't know, just the this process and 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 just what life looks like when when you're writing a book together. Like mm -hmm. it's just a. It's we we really taken to it. We just really enjoy it. So, well, let me ask you this hypothetical. Um, a studio comes to you and says, we love Superworld. We want to make the movie. We don't want you involved at all. Is that something where you could stomach that, where you say, okay, we'll go, we'll, we'll take our, our, our checks, I guess. <laughs> well, interesting. You should ask or say that. We, um, we actually do have, in, it's being set up with one of the big studios. Um, and we are, you know, who, hopefully it will move forward, but um, it's being set up and um, to be developed and we're going to write the first draft of the script. So that's gonna be the involvement that, that was important mm -hmm. to us to get the first crack at, at the script. Yeah, the film and, expression of it. And then, um, I and I think you might consult, I think you might consult visually um, on it. Well, right. that, yeah, it's, a, right? it's something um, that, Right, something that, except like, they can just take the book. Yeah, <laughs> that's done. Yeah. So well, yeah, it's something that like I think we're gonna have to kind of find that balance because we yeah. really enjoy telling the story this way, and I, I think that you know um, we we like like I said, we really enjoy doing this. We we want to keep doing this, and so mm -hmm. so depending on how everything shakes out, um, mm -hmm. I I think we kind of see ourselves still doing this um, but but i'll it's also easy to say that now and um because i think after writing mm -hmm. it, it will also be like tempting to say well how do you walk away now like and not see the, the ship all the way yeah you know be, with directing experience and the animation experience so we'll cross that bridge or ocean later <laughs> but like for sure this is where our heart is yeah right now is is um the source being the creators of the source material. Yeah. And that's kind of the, that's been, you know, getting back to our, our original sort of desire to make her, to tell our own stories. The, I think that's the, that gets back to that kind of core desire for us is that, you know, is just being the people who, you know, putting together, together the stories that can go on to do other things yeah. potentially. And, 
but but you know generating that the source material generating those ideas mm -hmm. i think that's what we really enjoy and so i think that's that's mm -hmm. that's i think what we're going to keep pursuing right so but it's cool to think about other iterations of mm -hmm. of this and that going back to the pros uh side of the argument of well other people will start bringing their mm -hmm. gifting to telling this and yeah. then and that's like really cool like other visual artists other musicians mm -hmm. editors yeah because like, there's so much what we really tried to do it's a very big world and we we have a lot you know we have a lot of you know, so many characters and so many things that i think as a as an artist that uh, that isn't us right i i think this is something if if i had nothing to do with superworld I think, and I was working in, you know, entertainment and whatever, and had an opportunity to to work to do work on this. I think I would be like, this is amazing. Because like, you would want to bring your. I would. To I would enjoy exploring. Like I, it's one of those things where we we made a a story in a world where I I would we hope that would draw other creative people right. to, too, and and and. In that, a they way would, that, that they would want to make it their own yeah that they would want to like play around in it yeah. and and sort of extend it and so that that's been that's been our goal in terms of mm -hmm. a a you know kind of a a the, the kind of a story that we because we, we know what together. it's we know what it's like to work in studios and you know you don't usually choose what you're put on you know it's like mm -hmm. hey this project's being made and it's your privilege yeah, to get to, to yeah. work on to work on that especially early on when you're like you know when we were just coming out of school, it's like, we were just so happy to have a job in animation. And yeah. sometimes you'd work on a film that you love. Mm -hmm. Other times you'd be like, ah, oh, this isn't the right. best thing, but it's, it's fun. You know, it's, it's a job. It's, it's, it's cool. But what we really would love to do is, is make something that people want whatever, to work on. Well, and, and, you know, like our publisher, like we want anybody in at Random House to be like, oh, I want to, yeah, we this right. super world. Now, right. You know, it's like we we want everyone who has has any kind of uh, a stake in it to really have the joy of, of working on it. And so so that's kind of that's always been our goal. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. So even if a wise studio sage made you both uh, granted you absolute power, your directors, your producers, you have everything, you're still going to have to open up to collaboration for the people that come in, unless you play every role yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, that yeah. that will be a yeah. What, if it if the film and all that kind of stuff goes, that that will hundred percent be big old collaboration. Oh <laughs> that, yeah, yeah, that just. Right. Yeah, so so we will open our hearts and minds back to that yeah, <laughs> and the benefits of it, yeah, and then we'll hide here to work on book two. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm watching our time and it's it's flown it's flown away. Where where does it go? But something that it occurs to me, you're in a unique position to ask. You might be the only person I'll ever be able to ask this question. In terms of being intimidated to work on a project, is it more intimidating to approach the Grinch when there's a Boris Karloff, Chuck Jones version that's already beloved, yeah. or to work on the Three Wise Men, where it's literally from the Bible, and right. and, and many people feel it's it's, it's actual history? Um, which one is more intimidating? That's a good question. I, in I think in I think it's similar. They're they're both very very similar. So, like you said, from the Bible, 
you know, because we're Christian, we, there is a responsibility to not, to not sort of undermine, uh, you know, like if we're going to tell the story and of course we, we told it in a way that, that it's a, it's our expression of it. And it's, it's told in a way that is sort of reminiscent of the old stop motion, you know, uh, Rankin Bass, uh, films, um, where everything looks like, you know, our kind of concept was to make it a, as if you were going into a little nativity set underneath a Christmas tree and, and telling the story that way. So there's that kind of starting point, but we really tried to, like we said, we, we did a version of it, a feature version, you know, we, we wrote a feature version that was just terribly off, you know, and the, the reason why we shelved it was we thought it wasn't, we, this isn't true to the, right. the the core of the story. And so when Carrie rewrote it from the ground up, what she did was she just went right to the to the source and to yeah. Matthew and, and Luke and and yep. wove together the story that that was very faithful right. to the events. And then of course we we Yeah, you know, like our little sense of humor is in it and yeah. stuff. But but I even um Ed took I looked for public domain Christmas songs and carols and I just like kind of read through them just for thoughts. Like it came upon a midnight clear, you know, angels we have heard on high. And I, so I just had some of those and I, we love Christmas mm -hmm. our whole lives and I love those songs. And so that stuff was in my mind, plus the scripture. And to me, it was hugely, it was, it was very big deal to try to, honor the material yeah. and to be true to it um while still like having shepherds meet the wise men did they really no but like you know we took some creative license possible <laughs> but, well one of the things the one, one of the interesting things is that you know the sort of traditional timeline of of the the three wise men showing mm -hmm. up on the the night that that um you know jesus was born that's that isn't really right right and so they actually probably ended up you know uh within two years within a couple of years of you know when they saw the star but everybody's um, christmas pageant and everybody's nativity right. set has them all there the same yeah. night so it's like okay that's the one thing that that we're like okay but at the same time you know, it's still possible. <laughs> we 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 put the little drummer boy in there. Oh right, see, not, creative license, not canonical, but but it's but yeah. it, but so anyway, I would say Grinch is is secondary, like just because we're talking about faith, yeah, and, and the material. yeah, and but it's it's so it's it's very similar, but it's also a little bit different in that in that what you're trying to uh, I guess it is there is a lot of similarities because what you're trying to do is honor the material, right? You're trying to mm -hmm too like i said you're trying to do something that if dr seuss walked into the room and saw what you were working out on no matter what you were working on he would be like oh this is interesting like i hadn't seen it this way necessarily because of like of course it's it's more work being done on their story that they've never had in, any input on right mm -hmm. and so other than uh, other than the core and so you're always aware that any anything that you add to it um is not the original but what you want to do is make it feel like it's related and so so it what you don't want to do is contradict right you don't want to you don't want to make something that would make the original author um you know uh 
unhappy in the sense that that you think that they like you think about the you think about the um the lord of the rings films right like those those films were incredible and of course they took creative license they changed storylines and things like that um but you you also look at them and you think like there is such fidelity to the so much of what tolkien had had um kind of put into his middle earth and his his mm -hmm. characters that that you would think that like hopefully if he saw those films that he would he would um feel like okay this is this is another story but i really appreciate that they that they are honoring these aspects of what i what i told originally so that's that's kind of the mm -hmm. that's kind of the goal but yeah there there is a pressure that they are always aware of like it's always there but it's it's also a good pressure because it's also when you're when you're adapting something like that you you have all of this material and with dr seuss you have books and books and books and so where it's sort of like the Jurassic Park dinosaurs where they're like, okay, we take this gene that we've got out of this mosquito, but it's missing all these pieces. So we can take these genes from frogs and stuff like that and fill it in, right? So like with Dr. Seuss, he's got the Grinch or the Lorax, but, you know, in going through the Grinch, trying to expand it out into a whole, to a whole feature film, which is much, much longer. And, and you know, and, and like you said, with the with the Chuck Jones version, which was just brilliant. And one of the, you know, it's one of the things that Carrie and I talked about our first day at, at CalArts. Such a brilliant expression of the Grinch and one that Dr. Seuss was actually involved in, right? Like he wrote on it and he, he was part of that project. Um, you think, okay, we're adding all of this stuff to it. We're extending the story. How are we going to fill in those, those bits? And it's not just a matter of like, okay, putting something in, just to fill the time it's how do you tell a a longer version a deeper not deeper in the sense that that it's it's more important or more like but it's it's more like how do we delve into the Grinch's personality Cindy Lou's personality who's very a very small part of you know important part of the book but but you don't really get a sense of her life and and Max you know the the little dog like mm -hmm. How do you sort of explore those those uh, those characters, Whoville, all of the Who's? What's it like living there? So, what, but what you have with Dr. Seuss, you don't just have that book; you have all of his other books too. And so you can really kind of dig into how did he, how did he, um, he how did he attack like these people here in this book or or this kind of a design thing here in this book and so i was yeah pulling reference from all of his other books to to sort of like you know get as much as much of a a filled in world based on his original material as possible and so so that's the upside of of working from materials that you do have this sort of like wealth of information yeah. that is really fun to sort of to to kind of you know um synthesize and and um you know create that Jurassic Park dinosaur <laughs> that isn't that is not the original but but feels like the original because it's got you know all the yeah. same pieces I guess so so the cat the hat is is basically amphibian DNA I love this metaphor <laughs> <That's right. laughs> <Good job. laughs>
<laughs> when you put it like, what if Dr. Seuss walks into the room? That does clarify for me because, okay, well, Dr. Seuss comes in and unhappy, that's a devastating day. But if God comes into the room as that's, right? that's, that's, that's a very next level. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> Well, and that's an, it's an interesting thing because there's sort of this, you know, because in putting together the, the three wise men, there is a lot of information. One of the things that we, we really enjoyed was like, okay, you have the, the gospel accounts, but then you can, there's all the historical, like, okay, who, who might the Magi have been and who went, and there's a lot of information about first century, you know, Jerusalem and, mm-hmm. you know, from like, there's a lot like Josephus wrote all kinds of material about about uh what it was like to live around that time just after that but basically around that time and so there's a lot of information that again you're sort of able to kind of draw from and things like you know Herod and and you know Mm -hmm. all of the sort of the political stuff going on there but at the same time so you pull all this stuff together and you make like little, you know, are like little, you know, sort of uh, nativity set versions of these characters. Um, but, but it's, but you really kind of feel this sort of the background, you know, sort of source material, we hoped that that kind of feeds into it and informs it and gives it a little bit more depth. Well, you know, he he actually modeled the temple. So he's like, okay, I'm going to research, like, what was the scale of in Jerusalem of the temple and he would show me he's like do you realize how enormous this this building was and he built it he built a model that you see like in a distant background shot um and it's like the the wise men first see the city and they're like hey you know what what is that place and the shepherds tell them it's that's Jerusalem and so you see the silhouette of the temple and that's the only time I think you ever see it in the whole thing but to honor the material he built it to scale yeah yeah and it's it's i mean design wise it's very different like uh, i like the oliver hills they look sort of yeah they're like rolling there aren't any they're for sheep they're yeah but they they didn't put any any trees but it was sort of like it i don't know but but yeah it's interesting because like we all of the all of the um versions of like the of bible stories that you watch you know, over the years, they they are all kind of kind of constrained to how many actors can we afford? What are the what are the uh, sets that we can afford? Um, most of the the versions of of you know um, of especially like you know Jesus of Nazareth and things like that that you know sort of historically, you aren't actually seeing the scale and the scope of what the world was actually like back then. Like the, the Herod's, you know, the, the, the temple in Jerusalem was one of the, it was like one of the wonders of the world. It was massive. Like it was, I think, 150 feet tall, marble, gold on the top. And it's something that it's like, nobody puts that, tr- yeah. like usually if, it, if there's a, a scene at the temple, it's like you see some columns and a wall and, you know, maybe 30 extras or something like that. And it's like, you know, what, what, what we're talking about, like during Passover, you would have millions of people coming into Jerusalem. And so so it's one of those things where, like, when we started putting it together, and of course, our version is, is again, like the <laughs> like Rudolph so. version, Rudolph the Nazarene version of, of that. But but it is true, like we started putting some of this stuff just to see what the scales were. And it's, it was right. 
very different than what we expected because yeah because and when we actually have it, it a shot two two or three shots in jerusalem we our budget was this and so we have like six characters run by so yeah it's you know? the same thing the same thing <laughs> we had, the, we had like, the same constraints so but yeah but in, one of the nice things about a, a book is that you know as opposed to film is that you can put you can write anything right you don't have to worry about you don't have to budget for it budgeting for a jillion characters or you know hey we want to do a set piece where this you know you could have your ants that the, the ants you talked about in that your colony you know like that your main character goes up against you can write one million ants <laughs> right. you know but if you if you do the script version you're going to get in trouble yeah, and they're right. going to say okay, how are we gonna you can have 50. <laughs> Oh, I guarantee I can get a million ants for cheaper than Andy Griffith. Now, can I? Get <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a different question. Oh, this is so fun. The audience knows I have to ask because I ask everybody whoever comes on the show. Have either of you ever seen a ghost and or a flying saucer? Oh, interesting. I not ghost me. or flying saucer. I don't know. I mean, no. I've never seen a flying saucer, certainly. I, you know, I think ghosts, you sort of like, I don't know. I've never seen a ghost. Like, no. those are the most sort of credible in the sense that, like, you do hear people talk about things that were like, wow, that's, they couldn't, there's no way to explain that. But I've never actually well, seen now, it. And now I just want to know, have you? Yeah, really. <laughs> What's your, um, no, I've never seen a ghost. I had uh, a strange supernatural experience that esteemed audiences has, has had before. Uh, that is not a middle grade appropriate story that I haven't found a way to, to share. Mostly because I was inebriated at the time, which makes it less credible. <laughs> uh, but I used to be far more of a skeptic before I started asking everybody who comes on the show about it. And I, you know, I'm, I'm talking to authors and book people, yeah. the best people. And the number of amazing stories I've heard that have turned my head, I'm like, oh, okay, this is definitely, this is a lot more credible than I would have thought. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. It is, it is one of those things where you're like, okay, I think if I had to be like, okay, that's probably not possible. But when you you tell that story, I have no way of disproving it. Disproving yeah. it. And that's it does sound, yeah, it's, it's, it is an interesting thing. It, I mean, and we saw what Mulder went through and Scully, my right? goodness. Like, <laughs> <laughs> bring them back into the conversation <laughs> <laughs> the tension alone uh, i've always maintained that the, the problem with that show is that as it progressed it became harder and harder for me to accept that scully was still a skeptic like you oh see something God. amazing every week come on scully right she's still she's like that's no, probably not real yeah no <laughs> not i'm not buying it <laughs> So Jillian Anderson should have gotten extra acting awards just for pulling that off week yeah, after. Totally. Like I've been abducted and had an alien child, but I don't believe it. <laughs> There's probably a scientific explanation for this one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. This has been an absolute delight. I, I so appreciate both of you being so generous with your time and and, sure. and, 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 and providing such amazing insight into storytelling. Um, for today, my uh, although you're going to write more books, so maybe we'll get together. We'll do this again sometime. Yeah, um, today, uh, my last question is always some variation of if you could go back toward the start of your career, middle of your career, wherever it would have been most useful, and given yourself some advice that would have made easier your path and might make easier the paths of everybody who's watching or listening to us, what would you go back and tell yourself? 
Mm. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. I think, like, I don't know. Do you have anything? But I mean, I think one of the things that that may be that may be useful, I guess, that I I could have gone back, and I think it's really more of the something uh, advice or or encouragement that I would have given myself was was that it's gonna be like it's gonna be okay in the sense that if you keep working at it you're something will happen right so like like yeah I, that's interesting so more like encouragement like yeah. it's gonna be hard but yeah. just don't ever stop don't give up right and I think that's because so much like when you you know at this point in our lives, we've done lots of things and that can be looked at as, hey, that's pretty successful. You guys have done, you know, we have a book, we have, you know, we've worked on movies. We've done a lot of what we wanted to do. Um, and I think- But along the way, it felt like failure yeah, constantly. Right, and that's <laughs> and that's the thing that we don't, you don't see, it's, it's harder to see at the end of, not the end, hopefully this isn't the end of our lives, <laughs> but- but you kind of see the high points and sometimes you see Looking the low back. points, but yeah, th there's a, I think a tendency to say like, Hey, to emphasize all the achievements in, in anybody's life and anybody who's successful at anything. Um, and not necessarily see how all of the difficult, all of the difficulties that it took to get there. And I think the reason why it's good sometimes to sort of to not to, to dwell on those, but to understand that they're there is that when it's, when you're in, when you're doing, I mean, when you're writing a book, right, just to take a, one project, there are times when you think I, you hit, you know, you hit the wall and you're just like, I have no ideas, or I don't think this is any good, or it's, it's, I'm tired, I'm tired, it's exhausting, is it worth it? Um, it's times like those, and, and that happens throughout life. Uh, on anything, especially if things on a longer scale, right? A longer timeline. Um, there's always the tendency to give up. Like there's that kind of comes with, with, I think with most people, there's this, there's this, um, there's always that temptation, you know what? I don't know if this is ever going to happen. If I'm ever going to be a success in this or, you know, um, and I think it makes people, it, it drives people to give up. And, and I think maybe the best advice we could probably give is that, is that if you stick it out, because most other people, like most other people will throw in the towel, right? And so if you don't, you're already ahead of those people, yeah. right? You're, if you just stick it out and, and maybe the thing you're working on won't be successful maybe the, whatever mm -hmm. it is will be a failure, but it will probably lead to something lead else. To something you else. Know? And it's still such valuable experience. Yeah. And, and, you know, as an, you know, as an example, like we said, after, after uh, the, the three wise men, we had mm -hmm. wrote a, we wrote a, a sci-fi script. We pitched it around town um, and we, got some interest but nobody actually you know we got an option yeah. a small option but it never went anywhere but it was that so that was sort of a failure and we'd spent a year kind of learning the process and learning and and 
pitching, you know, uh, writing the script and pitching it and all that, we it was the first time we'd done something like that. And so at the end of it, to have it be sort of a failure was difficult, but it was one of those pitches that left, you know, we'd left our materials at, you know, Illumination Entertainment. A brand new animation studio. Right. And they're like, hey, well, we don't want to do your project because of because of this reason. But hey, we really like your work. We need and, a freelance artist. Yeah. And so I started doing that. And that led to Despicable Me. And so it's that kind of a thing where had we just given up on on our sci-fi right. project, it would have it wouldn't have led to the next thing. And I think that's the thing for anybody to to really understand is that is that whatever you do is going to lead to something else. It may not be exactly, mm-hmm. it's almost never what you think it's going to be. Right. And, and that's, that's an important thing to do to, to sort of hold on to is that you just want to keep at it and, and kind of let, you know, let the, let the, and, and, and it's something that's, that's, that's related to it is is this sort of I don't know where I, I heard it, but this idea that like if you want to make sure that you that you um, catch a train, stand on the track, right? <laughs> because eventually it's going to come and and you know and you're going to be there when it does. And of course, you don't want to be run over by it. But at the same time, what you want to do is just keep being there because so many you know in terms of like you know cre- creative jobs like it, it, creative work is difficult because so many people want to do it because so much of you know humanity like we're all creative people right and it's it is something that is there is a lot of competition in in the sense that like lots of people want to do it um but you it if you really if you want that to to sort of materialize like we you know one of our family members is an actor and she's been working you know for decades and you know at Mm-hmm. being an actor and she's she's you know a successful actor mm-hmm. at this point but it's like you back up you know years and years and years and it's like she was out there hustling she's like going where where you know auditioning and and then mm-hmm. talk about some uh, uh, an industry where everybody wants to do it like everybody wants to you know mm-hmm. be an actor where they want to be on on screen and it's like that's the kind of stuff it takes that grit to kind of stick it out and and mm-hmm. kind of put yourself where it need you need to be in order to sort of and en- catch those breaks mm-hmm. when they happen so. and endure the times that feel like yeah. utter failure. Yeah, because so much of it is emotional. You know, it's like it's our one of our you know our 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 greatest obstacle in so many yeah, ways. Yeah, for any artist, yeah. is, is that the heightened emotion you also experience. Yeah, I was yeah. just that just a short note. Um, writing what our, our feature that we tried was called Resident Alien. And that spending that year actually was kind of the only reason that we could try yeah. this because when we thought us write a middle grade novel, we have no clue how to do that. We thought, well, let's just kind of write it like we wrote the mm-hmm. script. And so it's like sound effects. Like we think of it um, and our editor had to kind of help us and say, okay, you guys, you know, but slow down yeah. like this, you know, like you're writing it, like it's a movie, yeah, which is okay. But slow very, down. very brief. What you're trying to do is actually write in as, as people are reading, you want to time the, the writing as if they're reading in real time, you know, you, mm-hmm. a movie that they're seeing. And so, so when action has to be really, really fast, your action lines are, you know, one or two lines, you know, but yeah. when you want the, 
the to, to slow down the pace, then you sort of lengthen that to sort of approximate what they're going to experience on the screen. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what, the way that we did our first draft. Yeah. And it was very sort of like, and I think a lot of that that is still in there because we really do like to, right. to pace the reader and and have them have them um experience the the story from a from right. a pacing the the pacing that we want them to to so sometimes there are like one or two word lines just to kind of give, give them that sense the of momentum yeah. and then we'll slow things down and right. get things you right. know and I, but at but, the beginning yeah. we we did yeah. a very very sort of like uh movie scripty version of the book right. that that didn't but it gave us the confidence mm-hmm. to even try yeah so failing in 2007 at that process um wasn't really failure yeah right so sneaky bonus question at this point uh, having felt like a failure so often but now having had tremendous success in film having had this tremendously amazing book that's out in the world of being a joy being here on the middle grade ninja podcast do you at last feel successful not satisfied but successful i think so i mean yeah i I think i think what like i think i'll i think just to answer for for me i feel like to to not feel like we're successful. Like the, I think success at this point in life is more like when I look back and, and think of all the things that we were privileged to, to be able to work on super world, like the fact that we were able to spend the time to, you know, that it took to actually make this creative expression, this thing that we really was on our hearts. I think that to me is success. And, and, yeah. and I think we have more times than not really enjoyed the films that we've worked on and, and the project totally. that we've worked on. And I think that is just, um, that is, I, yeah. I think I would say that that's a success. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess I don't, maybe, maybe to use a different word, it's, it's more like a sense of peace, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, so you know, you go to school and you've got your dream and it's like, we want to work in movies and we want to draw and like, maybe we could have our own company and let's make a Christmas project. And I mean, that felt like failure after failure, seven years, it took seven years and it put us super far in debt that, you know, we had to recover from. It's like, what have we done? Um, but to finally get to kind of come back together after work, him working separately for 10 years in Paris and not getting to actively collaborate you know I like I got to be behind the scenes as a collaborator with him but I I wasn't working with him and to get like a kind of a chance to to collaborate again on something that we can actually physically hold in our hand Mm -hmm. and say you know it's like a real thing that we can see a little kid read you know that it, it gives sort of a Okay, we got yeah. like we got one more chance. Well, and 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 it's like if this is all we got to do, I think we would feel at yeah. peace. Like like that was very satisfying. Yeah, there is something. I mean, you know, there's something really great about, you know, putting all the work into something and actually having it contained in something that will live on beyond you actually having to keep working on it, yeah. right? And so it's like it can be, you know, ten years from now, somebody can somebody can read this book and and get hopefully enjoyment and mm-hmm. yeah. and get yeah. some you know laughs or some you know being be right. crushed emotionally right. by something that it's like we get to as artists we get to to put all of that stuff into 
into something that can actually keep living. And that's very, that's a very, like, it's a real privilege. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, like that's every, all your heart and your thoughts and everything went into that thing. And now that it is done and you have your book, it exists. Yeah. It, it just exists. Like there, there's no, um, it's not this, thing in well, the it's, air it's that you haven't it's different also there are other kinds of you know creativity like being a being a, a musician I mean a musician you record your your tracks and you can listen to them but so much of that it, it's sort of the live musician scene because that's its own thing right and and you do it for that audience for that night or for that that mm -hmm. song and then it's gone right and because you can't you can't record it and, and enjoy it but but that artwork that they do is and that's kind of one of the great things about kind of live music is that that's what your experience is it's the is, moment is the moment um but in this in you know in books in film it's there is no moment <laughs> the moment is you your your story with the reader at whatever moment that that is you know through all of future history and so so that's that's a that's a pretty cool thing. So well, that's the great thing about podcasting. We get to have the moment and I get to listen to it again many years <laughs> and enjoy it all over again. This again, absolute uh thrill and a pleasure today. Where okay. can esteemed audience uh find you online, follow you on social media and all that good stuff? Um barely. Barely. We're yeah. terrible, we're terrible. I have an Instagram account, but I usually every couple of years I'll pop in and do an update. <laughs> we're terrible. So yeah, we're really bad at that. I'm sorry. This was it. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. This is, this is our Farewell, internet. Thank, thank you, Rob. That this is it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, we just haven't really done that much. I have a website with some of my artwork. Yeah, yarochini.com. If you want to see some Grinch artwork. Yeah, some Grinch, some other stuff. Despicable me. You can check that out. Um, but yeah. And that's it. I mean, I guess Instagram if you want to, but no. uh, probably the next no. time. I, the short answer is the real answer. I'm not going to be on that until this the sequel is done. But then but then you'll you'll be able to uh, to know when, when it's out. So So maybe that's a good answer. <laughs> That's why you're feeling that piece you were describing because you're not on social media. Exactly. It's <laughs> it's very strategic. Yeah. As always, uh, esteemed audience, for interviews almost as good as this one, uh, with all the world's best people, book people, head to middlegradeninja.com. Go get your copy of Rob Worm's Bird Adventure. It will change your life. And God willing, I'm alive. I'll see you next week.